0: Good morning. Why don't we go ahead and stand? Oh, it was so sweet when we were creating, um, letting God kind of tell us what He wanted to pour over everyone today, and it was this just beauty of who we are in Him and how He loves us, and He conquers things for us and on our behalf. And so we just are praying that you can rest in that. But let me pray to start us. So God, just come, Holy Spirit, come and rest on each one of us. so hard to see it, took me so long to believe it, you choose someone like me, to carry your victory, perfection could never to glory. you are my champion, giants, giants fall when win. you stand undefeated, every battle
1: this, there's a story in the Bible that we find in Matthew 3, um, where we hear about the time that Jesus was baptized, and it says that when he came up out of the water, the, the heavens opened up, and a, the, the spirit descended like a dove, and then it talks about this voice, the voice of the Father that, that spoke from heaven, he said, this is my son, whom I love, and in him I am pleased. And as Heather said, as we started this, we, we found this thread through what God was speaking to us this week about identity, about who he says we are. And that's our prayer for you this morning, that you, you'd hear the voice of your father from the open heaven saying, that's my kid, that's my son, that's my daughter, who I love, I am so pleased with them. So as we sing this new song this morning, that's my prayer, that you'd hear, hear the voice of your father singing over you. I love you. You're my child. So whatever that looks like, if that's just, just looking at the lyrics and listening to the song, that's great. Let that soak in. But if you want to sing along, I'm just going to teach you the chorus here. It goes like this.
2: I am your beloved. You have bought me with your blood. On your hand you've written out my name I am your beloved One the Father loves Mercy has defeated all But then I heard a voice as it opened up the heavens, reminding me of who I've always
1: sacrifice so that we can we can sit in this place now and say we are a blameless spotless child of the king not because of what we've done not because of what we can bring to the table but because of jesus so god i pray that that truth would cement in our hearts this morning that we are beloved by our father that we can't do anything to change your love, no matter if it's better or worse. You love us for who we are, not for what we do. God, I pray that that would bring a peace over this place right now. I pray that whatever, whatever situation we're in, we can, we can have confidence knowing we are a child of God. That fear doesn't stand a chance, that shame doesn't ch- stand a chance because of your great love for us. Jesus, we thank you for that and for this all in your name. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to have a seat and turn your attention to the screen for a quick announcement.
3: Good morning, All Shores Church. My name is Wayne Schmidt. I serve as general superintendent of the Wesleyan Church, but my roots are in West Michigan. I've known about Spring Lake, All Shores, all of my life. I'm so blessed by your pastor, Peter, and by Jane and their ministry my times with him result in added wisdom, greater faith. Just am grateful for the iron sharpens iron relationship that Peter and I share. And I'm blessed indirectly through others. My accountability partner for the last 38 years came to into my life from All Shores Church, Spring Lake, and regularly meets about once a month with peter and those two dive deep in theology and other things and then paul comes back and shares with me all the good things he's picked up and dennis jackson director of global partners is a dear friend since college days and peter continues to fan the flames of passion for missions so thankful to your church so thankful to peter and jane i want to pray for you this morning would you bow with me please father in heaven i want to pray isaiah 26 that um as their trust is in you that you will as a result give them all of the perfect peace that they need i pray perfect peace for pete and for jane during this time of sabbatical I ask that they will grow in their trust and fix their thoughts on you, because that is the source of perfect peace. I not only pray that for them, but this is sabbatical season right alongside theirs for this church. I pray for all shores. I pray that they, too, will grow in their trust, grow in the focus of their thoughts on you, and the result will be an abundant blessing within the church, and beyond the walls to the ends of the earth. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed service today.
4: Amen. I just want to welcome you to church this morning. So glad that you are here with us, that you've taken time this morning just to join us and come and worship together. Something special just always happens when we gather together like this. If you're joining us online, I just want to thank you for making that a a priority also and spending your time just beginning your week and spending some time in worship, even if it's connected through the internet this way. So, so glad that you are here and being a part of us. And we really do, whether you're online or in person, really want to connect with you. We want to get to know you. We want to help you grow and take steps in your faith and get plugged into your church. And the best way that we have to do that is through the connection card. If you're online, there's a link that you can click on and fill that out now. There's lots of things that you can uh, fill out there. You can put your prayer request on there as well. You can ask questions, and we can help you kind of in your uh, faith walk and get connected that way. If you're in here, there's a QR code in front of you. You can open up the camera on your phone at any time during the service, and the connection card will uh, pop up. You can fill that out. We also have a connection point in the lobby where we'd love to connect with you in person and you can fill out a connection card uh, the old-fashioned way, the way I like to do it that way as well. But either way, we just want to get to know you better. We want to connect with you. We want to make sure you know what's going on in your church. And really, another great way to do that is really following us on social media. So Facebook, Instagram, there's lots of posts on the things that are happening week to week and what's coming up in the months ahead. If you fill out that connection card, you're automatically set up for the weekly uh, email that comes out and I will let you know what's going on each week. So there's a lot of great events for men and women and coming up. So why don't you be plugged into those and have take advantage of those opportunities. So make sure you do that. Well, we're just going to continue this morning as we worship through our giving. You know, when we give, it really just is an act of trust that we just give some of the finances that God has blessed us with. And we trust him in that. We trust that he will provide for us in that. We trust that he will take those finances that your church will take those finances. And we use them to invest in the next generation through our kids' ministry, through our youth ministry, and help them grow and get connected in their faith. We use it to help our adults get connected and have events and do great things. We use it to, to bless our partners in the community so we, we can be a blessing in our community and around the world as well. So I am so thankful that you guys are generous so that we can be a generous church. And you know, if you're not giving it at the current time, I just simply encourage you just to pray. Just ask God that how he might have you step into that act of faith, that act of kind of that spiritual discipline of giving back to what God has given to you. So glad that you are here and being a part of that. And uh, turn your attention to the screen for more information on what's happening.
5: In a moment of pause, we wondered what was important. We wondered if we had what it takes Our own doubts tried to stop us, to silence us, but now the world is moving again. This is the time for leadership, the moment to rise up again. Each day is an opportunity to reimagine the possibility of who we are and where we're going. A summit is waiting. Our influence is not an accident, it's a decision. A commitment to grow, to try something new, to risk being vulnerable, being seen, being stretched. We can make more than just a contribution. We can make a difference. The journey is a mountain, and the summit is reached one step at a time. Each day matters. Today matters. Welcome to the next step of your journey. The time for leadership is now.
6: Well, happy Sunday, everybody. So glad that we all get to be together. I do want to give a special shout-out to those of you who are at our Coopersville campus, those of you at our Muskegon campus, all of you joining in online. Come on, Spring Lake, can you show our church family some love? Let them know we're glad that they're here. We all got to hang out last week in one location for our United service. It was a ton of fun. And now we are back in our different communities, our different campuses. If we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Evan. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and man, I'm so excited to be with you here this morning for for the passage that we're going to dive into. I do just want to take a moment at all of our campuses. We just saw something for the Global Leadership Summit, and maybe that's news to you, or maybe you've heard of that before. I just want to let you know From me personally, man, I want to invite you to join us for one of those days or both of those days. The Global Leadership Summit truly has changed my life. The first time I went was um, in 2015, August of 2015. I've been every year since. It's been a pivotal time for me. Um, as a leader, as a Christ follower to go. And, and some of you get scared off. I've talked to you. Some of you get scared off by the word leader or the word influence. I mean, I'm just here to tell you that leadership really is stewardship, that all of us have been given something. And the question is, how are we using that? How are we utilizing it really to build up and be a part of God's kingdom? And so I know I need help every year. I'd encourage you to join us. You can go to allshores.org GLS. Or hit me up if you have questions. I'd love to I'd love to talk to you personally. You can find my email on the on the staff page. Would love for you to join us for the Global Leadership Summit. It's coming up in a couple weeks. Well, we're in the third week of a six-week series called Detours, and we're spending really all six weeks in Acts chapter 16. We're walking through you know, a couple verses at a time. And so if you've missed the last couple of weeks, go back sometime this week, watch to them, watch them, listen to them. Um, you, won't, you won't want to miss out on those. You can just go to allshores.org media and catch up on that. Today, we're gonna be in verses 16 through 19 of Acts chapter 16. And so we'll dive into that in a moment. But before we do, we pause every single week recognizing that all of us are going 100 miles an hour, 24-7. And if we don't slow down, that most of us might miss what God is trying to say to us. And so we, we give you time every week to affirm we believe that God wants to say something to you personally, not just collectively, that we don't just talk about God, but that God, we believe that his Holy Spirit is with us and he wants to speak to us and meet us. So let me give you a moment To silently affirm that whatever God wants to say to you, that you actually want to hear it, and then I'll pray for us. Holy Spirit, we affirm that you are with us, that you don't have anywhere more important that you need to be, that you don't have anything more pressing that you need to attend to, but that we have your full and undivided attention. So I pray for every single person on the sound of my voice that you would open up our ears to hear, open up our mind to understand so that we can hear your word and ultimately follow it and obey it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And somebody said, Amen. Well, we are going to focus on one question that comes out of our text. Here it is. What has God never promised you? What has God never promised you? Scholars differ on the number of promises found in Scripture that God has made to you and to me. One man in the 1950s, Everett Storms, a Canadian school teacher spent the better part of a year and a half adding all of them up, and the number that he landed on was 7,487. 7,487, you can go in fact check that this week if you want me to, if you want to. Just come and talk to me next Sunday if that's incorrect. We're not going to spend any time today talking about Those 7,487 promises, we're going to focus on the opposite. What has God never promised you? Now, let me catch you up to speed before we dive into these verses. Let me give you some context. We talked last week of Paul, Silas, and Timothy. They're on a mission. Jesus is gone. And he sent his followers, including these three, to go into the world and to make disciples. And so they're in a new city, Philippi, and their goal is to plant a church, to share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus and to help them start meeting together. Last week, they unexpectedly met an influential woman named Lydia outside the city by a river during an unexpected worship service and the church in Philippi was born. This week, Paul and his friends are back in the city trying to share with more people about Jesus. And this is where we pick up in our text, verses 16 and 17. Here's what it says. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now there's a ton going on in this passage that brings up some good questions. First, there's a female slave who has an evil spirit possessing her. And the wording isn't explicit here, but the author's trying to communicate that while this spirit gives this woman the ability to tell the future, it's ultimately not for her benefit. That this isn't a spiritual gift that God gives his followers. This is a distortion of something that costs her. And on top of the internal possession, there's also external oppression. Remember, Paul, Silas, and Timothy have had some early wins so far. Talked about last week, Lydia and her whole family joining the church, but now they're wandering the city, being followed by this woman who keeps shouting to the crowds, these men are servants of the Most High God, telling you the way to be saved. Now, I know you already know this, but do you know what happens to the room when you're meeting people for the first time and they find out you're a pastor? It's like a blood moon and a solar eclipse at the same time. People just start acting strange. All the air goes out of the room. Some people just randomly start confessing things. I remember one guy a long time ago invited our family over for his Fourth of July party that he had every year and then uninvited us when he found out I was a pastor because he assumed that we didn't like fireworks. I imagine Paul and company would have appreciated the ability to share the gospel on their own terms, but they can't. Instead, they're being followed, harassed, outed. This is the first insight I think we can draw out of the text this morning. Remember, we're trying to answer this question, what has God never promised? Here's the first one. God's never promised an escape from feeling uncomfortable. God's never promised an escape from feeling uncomfortable. You know why most of us hide our faith? It's uncomfortable. It makes other people uncomfortable. And we're from West Michigan. If there's one rule in West Michigan, it's not to make people feel uncomfortable. It's a scary thought to think that God has called you and he's called me to People that make us uncomfortable, we pick back up in verse 18. Here's what it says She kept this up for many days, following them, shouting to the crowds about them. And finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, He didn't even address her directly. He says to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left. This whole week, I've been wondering what this woman's story is, that we don't even get her name. She has a gift, but she's being used up despite her own well-being. Is she local? Does she know the streets? Does she recognize the people that she grew up with? Is she from far away? When was the last time that she saw home? How'd she end up a slave in the first place? That's not usually something you sign up for. Was she taken outside of her city and whisked away? Was she sold by her family for an outstanding debt? Does she have anyone waiting for her? Anyone that still thinks about her? Is she forgotten, discarded, abandoned? Think about this. Possessed within, enslaved without. Possessed from the inside and oppressed from the outside. And no one cares. No one sees her, including Paul. She's an annoyance, an obstacle, an embarrassment. She's a footnote. Her owners don't care about her. The people in the story who love Jesus don't even care about her. Now, I imagine that for some of us this morning, that last bit might be the hardest to swallow. Yeah, I think this is the second thing we can draw out of this passage this morning. Remember, trying to answer the question, what has God never promised? God has never promised the ability to cover up our shortcomings. God's never promised the ability to cover up our shortcomings. Most of us have been taught to defend ourselves first and examine ourselves second. But this is why I love the Bible. In my experience, the Bible doesn't tell us a story as we should do it. It tells it how it happened. Paul's a great dude. Noteworthy individual, he ends up penning two-thirds of the New Testament that you and I now read. Yeah, I imagine when the early edition of Acts 16 came out, when he read it, he could have asked for a slight edit, one that made him look more like Jesus. He could have asked for it to be changed, that something like this, Paul was so upset with this woman's enslavement that he turned around and with compassion in his eyes, he said, "Daughter, be free." but it doesn't say that. And that's not as much to his credit as it is to his shame, and yet Paul was not covering his tracks. He didn't need to. Paul knows that he's not perfect. I wonder where you and I would be on that spectrum. There's one thing I know about us Christians is that we don't like other people calling us hypocrites. And yet some days... Sometimes it's true, isn't it? Do you always live up to God's standards? Do you always have an overflow of godly love channeling out of you to other people? Is every step you take, every word you say, every thought you think what Jesus would do? If it is, props to you. You would be in a league of your own with Jesus, of course. It's not my story. It's not my experience. It doesn't seem like it's Paul's. Here's where we pick up verse 19, last verse. Here's what it says When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Think about how crazy this story is. Paul and Silas weren't even focused on this woman. She wasn't their priority. It was out of Paul's annoyance that he even cast out the Spirit in the first place, and yet it pulls them out of anonymity into the center stage for ministry. That these verses are what set up the rest of the entire chapter for Acts 16 for what God's gonna do. Funny enough, now they have everyone's attention. Scripture doesn't mention anyone else responding to the gospel since Lydia, and yet now because of this woman who is still a slave, the whole city is focusing on these Christians. This is a third insight I think we can draw out of this text this morning. We're trying to answer this question, what has God never promised? God has never promised protection from being inconvenienced. God's never promised protection from being inconvenienced. To put it plain and simple, if you and I, if we want to be Jesus to the people around us, it's going to cost us something. You know who the hero of this story is? It's not Paul. It's the woman. The one who has no freedom, no trajectory, and yet, she's the one proclaiming the good news. These men, servants of the Most High, telling you the way to be saved. I think for a lot of us, it's hard to see. Because we've been trained to assign worth first and judge actions second. To judge someone's status without being curious about their story. Paul's a good man. But he's not the hero of the story. She is. An annoyance, a footnote, forgotten, abandoned, discarded, thrown away. We never hear from her again. This whole time we've been trying to answer one question what has God never promised? Here's what we see, here's what comes out of these verses. God's never promised that you and I can accomplish our God-given purpose in life without loving broken people right in front of us. God's never promised that you and I, that we can accomplish our God-given purpose in life without loving broken people right in front of us. You know what's most heartbreaking about this woman? It's that you and I pass her by every day on the way to someone who makes us feel more comfortable, who doesn't expose our shortcomings, who doesn't inconvenience us. That If I had to boil down this passage, this to one thought, one line, one challenge, you know what it would be? Maybe you've tuned me out by now. Can I just call you back just for this one sentence, just to so say this, that sometimes, sometimes the people who are most open to receiving the good news of Jesus Christ are the ones we've already deemed least deserve it. Maybe the broken person you need to start loving this morning is you. Maybe you don't want to admit you're broken. Maybe you truly don't believe that you are. Here's what appears to me to be true about this passage. It's that Paul seems very acquainted with his own brokenness. That he doesn't seem surprised by it. For some reason, he's okay with his shortcomings being out there for all to see. It's almost as if he's willing to trade other people's perception of him for something far better. Grace. That Paul doesn't need to be perfect, that's what grace is for. That you and I don't need to be perfect, that's what grace is for. Somewhere along the way, Some of us have convinced ourselves that we can step into salvation without ever needing God's grace. It's as if we picture grace as a net beneath the tightrope in case we fall rather than the very rope itself. That loving broken people is not a side mission. It's why you and I, why we're still here. I was reminded of that not quite four weeks ago at Ken Ernie's funeral. Ken and Lori have attended our church for a number of years, and and Ken spent almost his entire professional life working in the Fruitport School District with Fruitport Athletics. And I was able to attend his, his funeral almost a month ago, and for the first time, I met Dan. Dan is the person on the left side of the picture, and Dan spoke at Ken's funerals. And I just want to summarize a couple of things that Dan says. Dan was one of Ken's old soccer players. He met Ken in his freshman year of high school, called him coach. He shared that he had a lot going on his freshman year, which culminated at the end of his freshman year when Dan attempted to take his own life. He said he went through with it, but was not successful And from that point on, his coach, Ken, met with Dan on a monthly, sometimes a weekly basis, just one-on-one spending time investing in this young man's life at a Burger Crest. I had to look up what that was. (laughs) Dan said this about Ken. He said he didn't see me as a project. He saw me as a person that he knew that I was created in the image of God. Now Dan pastors, about an hour north of here, has a family. They've kept in touch all these years. This is them a couple weeks before Ken ultimately passed. Encouraging each other, praying with each other, thanking each other. Over and over, this was the one phrase that Dan was reminded of when he thought of Ken. It was something Ken would often say. This This is what would summarize his way of life. He would say, always treat people really, really well because everyone you will ever meet has infinite worth. You know what I think Ken gave Dan all those years when he spent time with him week after week after week? I think he gave Dan a window into God's grace that sometimes your presence is present enough. You might be saying, Evan, this is good and all, but what do I actually do? If I could just give you three of the simplest steps I could think of this morning. Hopefully these are helpful to you. The first one, look in the mirror. If I were to, if I were to give you one encouragement, It would be to get familiar with your own brokenness. That you and I, we don't have to explain it away. We don't have to loathe it. We don't have to make fun of it. That we're allowed to understand it and ultimately accept it. That we are not fully healed. That you and I were redeemed and at the same time not fully redeemed yet. There will be a day... Right now, we're in the in-between. There's no shame in that. It's what it means to be human. Look in the mirror. The second one is this, ask for help. The most agreed-upon definition of grace is God's unmerited favor. Sounds beautiful, doesn't it? The best litmus test for grace, how easily you can give it away to others. Now that's hard. That's okay. Ask for help. Grace understands that God has something you can't do on your own. Do you know the only people who can't accept grace? The only people are the ones who think they don't need it. Look in the mirror, ask for help. Last one is this: pass it on. Sometimes you don't have to preach or teach. Sometimes in order to be Jesus to people right in front of you, the people that make you uncomfortable, the people you struggle to see value in, the people who expose your own shortcomings or inconvenience you in some way, sometimes in order to be a light, in order to be in help, in order to be in encouragement, all you need to do is to pass on what was first passed on to you. And I don't know where you work. I don't know where you live. I don't know where you'll eat this week, where you'll sleep, what you'll do to pass the time. But you know what I do know is that this week, every one of us will walk past that woman that Paul, Silas, and Timothy ignored until their annoyance got the better of them. The church, who can we go out of our way to love this week? That you might feel uncomfortable. You probably won't do it perfectly. It'll cost you something. But as we spend eternity together, won't we look back and know that whatever it cost us here, that it was worth it? Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. We cherish it. We're better for it. We find words of life and challenge and correction and inspiration and comfort and hope that you so deeply love each one of us that you have gone out of your way, left the comfort of heaven to show us the way. And you, in, you invite us to do the same. You invite us to follow you into places surrounded by people that no one sees, that no one values. And you invite us to step in and to care for them like you care for us. So I just pray for help for all of us in that this next week. And with heads bowed and eyes still closed, I just want to pause that maybe for you, whether it's at one of our campuses, online, maybe you flip the laptop open, maybe you're here in Spring Lake, and you would say, that when you walked in or when you sat down, that you don't know what it looks like to have a relationship with God. And I just don't want to rush past this moment. Maybe you're sensing something. Maybe you're feeling something. Maybe you can't even quantify it, but maybe you're sensing that God's inviting you to take a step. And I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I just want to know who I'm praying for. So whether it's online or at one of our campuses, will you just will you just slip up a hand? Yes, I see you. Yes, I see you. Yes, right there. Anyone else? Will you just pray this prayer in your own words? say, Heavenly Father, I hear you. I sense that you're doing something, that you're inviting me to take a step. Just ask for this. Say, I'm so sorry for going my own way, for insisting on things in my own fashion. Will you forgive me now? Wash me clean. Give me a new slate. Just pray this. Holy Spirit, Pray that you would come inside of me. Make me new from the inside out. And help me live a life worthy of the calling that I've been given. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And somebody said, amen "Amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you welcome some new sisters and brothers into the family? I just want to say, if that's you, if you raised your hand man, I just want to encourage you. Will you let us know that the church if the church is one thing, the church is a family. And we're meant to do life together, to walk alongside each other, that no one should have to go through life alone. Will you let us know? You can write right on that connection card, whether it's online or whether you go to our connection point after service. You can write your name and then you can just check a box to say my decision today. We would love to give you some resources, partner with you, some people, encourage you along your journey. And now, every Sunday, we celebrate what Jesus and his disciples called communion. Really just means being together, joining with each other. And we do this every week to remind ourselves that effort is not enough when it comes to following Jesus, that we all need God's grace to follow after him to do what he's called us to do and so every single week we come back to the well we ask for help we ask for more grace and we remember what jesus did on our behalf that night so long ago jesus gathered with his friends and he took bread before supper and he broke it and he said this is my body broken for you take this all of you in remembrance of me and so we do that together church In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins, blood of a new covenant. Drink this, all of you, in remembrance of me. And so we do that together as well. Just want to invite you to stand. Let's sing together and worship our God.
2: Don't deserve it. Still, you keep yourself away.
6: I'd love to give you a blessing before we go. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may his face shine upon you. May he give you the comfort and the peace that you need. And may he empower you this week to see people and to care for them just as you've been cared for. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen and amen. We love you, church. We'll see you next week.